Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at Whit Riverside. Our new series, Holy Spirit. We're going to spend the next eight weeks really exploring the Holy Spirit, right up until Easter, we're going to spend this time. The reason we're spending eight weeks is we're really going to give ourselves the chance to really go deeper with our understanding of who the Holy Spirit is, how the Holy Spirit works, the person of the Spirit, getting to know the Holy Spirit's activity in our lives. And also, I'm hoping we're going to build some trust, because not everyone is comfortable, even with, with the words Holy Spirit, not everyone is comfortable with what the Holy Spirit might do what the Holy Spirit might do to them, how the Holy Spirit might manifest uh, itself in church. And so sometimes that can make us quite wary about Holy Spirit ministry. You might have been to places where you've seen excesses of Holy Spirit ministry. You've seen things that have scared you or worried you or you haven't understood. And um, we want to spend the next eight weeks really deepening our understanding of Holy Spirit because Holy Spirit is here now. Holy Spirit has been with you during your week. Holy Spirit was with me as I prepared this talk. Holy Spirit is present in our lives. And we want to really understand that and deepen our communion with Holy Spirit over the next few weeks. So I want to encourage you right at the start of this series to really open your heart to how the Holy Spirit might want to work in your own life. Because ultimately God is a personal God. We'll explore that more today. God is a a personal God who comes to be personal with each one of us. And so um, if we're going to grow in God, we can't hold the Holy Spirit at arm's length. That's not how we grow in God. We grow in God as we receive the Holy Spirit. That was Jesus' promise to the disciples back in the, before he ascended to heaven, receive the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit was given. Uh, At Pentecost, again, we'll explore that more over the coming weeks. But the Holy Spirit is a a personal expression to you of God in your life. And so I really want to encourage you to make space for the Holy Spirit over these next few weeks. That's what you're prepared to do with me? Can we do that together? Okay. So we're going to explore. There's lots of misconceptions, lots of misunderstandings around the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit works and what the Holy Spirit does. And we're going to try and clear some of those up over the next eight weeks with some theology and some, some practice uh, and, some, and some experience and really help to build that trust in partnering with the activity of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The King James Version of the Bible calls the Holy Spirit the Holy Ghost, which doesn't help. You know, if, anything, <laughs> if, if the Holy Spirit wasn't spooky enough already, then let's call him the Holy Ghost. Um, but the word there is, is a German-based word. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean ghost in the sense of... Um, Spooky ghost, it's kind of to do with the breath of God, the, the wind of God, which again we'll explore in a moment. It's really important that as followers of Jesus, we have a good understanding of who Holy Spirit is and really welcome the activity of the Holy Spirit into our lives because we all experience God, if we're a follower of Jesus, through the activity of the Spirit. That's what the Christian faith is all about. We experience a living God through the activity of his spirit in our lives. We don't worship a dead God. We don't worship a theology. We don't worship a book. We're in relationship with a living God 
through the spirit that he left us. Jesus said, it's good that I'm going away because I'm physically limited to one place at one time in this body. But when I go away, I'll send you someone who isn't limited in the same way, isn't physically limited to one body and can be present with everyone all the time. This is the promised Holy Spirit. He will come to you and he will be God present with you and he will never leave you. He'll be with you always. It's quite easy sometimes to picture God the Father. Jesus we can picture. But how do we picture the Holy Spirit? It's it's difficult, isn't it, sometimes to think about the Holy Spirit. How do we picture the Holy Spirit? Do we just see the Holy Spirit as some, some sort of strange, impersonal, scary force that turns up like a like a limp to mess things up in church, you know? We've got our plans down, then the Holy Spirit mischievously turns them and wrecks everything, you know, and, and changes everything. Is that the way we, we view the Holy Spirit, like a mischievous presence within the church? Does he scare us that we want to stay away from him in case he might make us do something that we're not comfortable with? Are we, are we worried when we see manifestations of the Holy Spirit? Sometimes in church we talk about the Holy Spirit breaking out, don't we? Or coming in waves or, or raining down. And all these impersonal metaphors sometimes don't encourage us to trust Holy Spirit. Because it seems like he's this strange, impersonal, unmanageable force that could come and sort of change everything at a moment's notice. And all these descriptions can seem a bit weird and a bit impersonal. You might see people shaking uh, laughing, falling down, doing all sorts of odd stuff when the Holy Spirit is around or the Holy Spirit is said to be around. And you've looked and thought, well, that's never going to happen to me. Or I'm staying 100 miles away from anything like that. And so when people say, why don't you come forward for prayer? You think, well, if I go forward for prayer, the Holy Spirit might hijack me and make me shake or laugh or rock or roll. And I don't do any of that stuff, so I'm going to stay well away from any kind of ministry or prayer or Holy Spirit activity, because I just don't want that to be my experience of Holy Spirit. Or perhaps you think the Holy Spirit's a bit like this. Yes, who doesn't love a bit of Yoda on a Sunday morning? Um, Perhaps the Holy Spirit is like this cosmic force that we can tap into. And just like Yoda, we can learn to master and is at our disposal when we want to use it. And that's certainly how some ministers seem to view the Holy Spirit. This cosmic force that they've learned to master that you haven't and they can tap into and they can cause people to fall over or or shake, rattle and roll or whatever else they want to do because they've mastered the Holy Spirit, just like Yoda, mastered the force. Over the next eight weeks, I really want us to get a better understanding of the Holy Spirit and to really deepen our trust, but also create freedom that when opportunities come for Holy Spirit ministry, that we're not nervous or frightened 
about what the Holy Spirit might come and do to us. We have a much deeper understanding of the character and the nature of how God manifests himself through his spirit in our lives. And we can trust that we are safe with him. We are secure with the Holy Spirit. And that's what we are going to try and do over these next eight weeks. I'm going to start today by looking at the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. And Jake's going to pick up next week looking at the Holy Spirit in the Gospels and with the ministry of Jesus. So we're going to dip into re-answering this question. Who is the Holy Spirit? Let's start with that. That term only appears twice in the Old Testament part of your Bibles. Those first 39 books. Once in Isaiah 63, uh, where the Holy Spirit is recorded by Isaiah as being grieved. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God is being grieved by the way the people are acting and the way the people are behaving. And the Spirit of God is grieved by their, by their behaviour. And then in Psalm 51, King David cries out to the Holy Spirit, say, don't leave me. God, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. He's, he's, uh, he's really worried that God's Spirit will, will depart from him and he won't experience that, that closeness of God. Throughout the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit is normally referred to as the Spirit of God or the Spirit of the Lord. These are the terms you normally find in the Old Testament when we're talking about the Holy Spirit. And the Hebrew word used for spirit in the Old Testament, it's a great word, it's a ruach. Say ruach. Got to get a bit of ak on the end of that. Ruach. Great. And that word means two things. It means wind, like a violent wind or a big wind or a large, powerful wind. And it means breath. It means breath, the very breath you're taking in today into your lungs. These two words, ruach, wind and breath. In the New Testament, the Greek word for the Holy Spirit is pneuma, which we get our word pneumatic from. And again, the the word in the Greek means the same. It means wind and breath. But in the Old Testament, where we are today, the Hebrew word is ruach. And wind and breath, they're not just there because they're symbolic to talk about the Spirit of God. They, in fact, help understand the, the character of God. With Hebrew naming... It was really important to try and compass the nature of that thing within the name. And so Ruach is not only the the name given to the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, it describes the nature of the Holy Spirit for us. It gives us an insight into the character of the Holy Spirit. In the book of Genesis, right in the first book of your Bibles, you see these two characteristics present uh, in Genesis 1. So let's look first of all at that first bit of Genesis. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God, the Ruach, was hovering over the waters. And so we translate it in our NIV, the Spirit of God. But really, the imagery here is the wind of the Spirit being present over the waters, right at the beginning of creation, right at these first conceptual moments of creation, God is there. Now, I will talk more about kind of your views on creation in a moment, but the first thing to understand is God is present right at the very beginning of our universe. Right at the very beginning of all things, 
the Ruach, the wind of God is present in that creative process. And then a bit later on in Genesis, we see the breath of the Spirit come into play. In Genesis 2.7, the Lord formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. So again, the Ruach, the breath this time of the Holy Spirit is coming in to give life to humanity. And this wind imagery we see here in the Old Testament helps us think about the power and the freedom and the transcendence of God. Just how big God is, is one aspect of the Spirit's nature. The power and the freedom that God being over all things, present in that word ruach. And then the images of breathing and breath talk about the imminence of God. There's nothing more close to you this morning than the breath entering your lungs, how intimately connected you are to the breath that you're taking in. And so the other aspect of Ruach, the intimacy, the imminence, the closeness of God expressed here as well. So whatever your personal beliefs about the mechanics of how the universe came into being, I'm not going to talk about that this morning, whether you think it took billions of years or thousands of years, it doesn't matter Because those things don't need to divide us because what's key here is the Spirit of God is present in the beginning. The Spirit of God is present in the first moments of creation. And that's the key thing we have to understand here, that the Spirit of God is in the beginning of it all and the Spirit of God goes on to uphold it all and bring it all together. And that's what we get from this revelation in Genesis Revelation, the Spirit of God is right there. The Ruach is right there in the beginning, bringing the wind of creativity and the breath of life into the universe. You might believe in the evolution of species. You might believe in the instant creation of species. It doesn't matter in the sense that the Holy Spirit is present in it all. And what we have to understand is the Bible doesn't tell us the how of creation, the Bible is more interested in the who of creation. So whatever your personal beliefs about the mechanics of the universe this morning, the key thing, the revelation that Genesis gives us is the fact the Holy Spirit is present in those first moments of order being brought out of chaos. And this is really important because God is in the very fabric of the universe, the very fabric of you and I, the Holy Spirit is present. It says in the scriptures, where can I flee from your presence? Where can I go that you're not? And the truth is you can't go anywhere where God isn't. Because the Spirit of God is through it all and in it all. So wherever we look, whether we look at each other this morning in this slightly different layout, (laughs) or whether we look at, at nature, or whether we look at science, the Holy Spirit is in it all and through it all. The Spirit of God present all around us and in us. Father Raniero Cantamalesa, who writes beautifully, he says this. He says, the Holy Spirit is the personification of this mystery who God is. At the same time, absolute power and immeasurable tenderness. Irresistible movement and infinite rest. Are those words beautiful? Absolute power and immeasurable tenderness, 
irresistible movement and infinite rest. Just pause for a moment to think about those words. Maybe just close your eyes and just think about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit being this incredible expression of God's power, but also this expression of immeasurable tenderness to you. The dynamic nature of the Spirit, always in motion, always creating, moving, but then also bringing perfect rest and peace to us. As we talk about the Holy Spirit this morning, the Holy Spirit is here with us. The Spirit is here with us, taking these words and revelations and helping to make them real to you. So let's just become more aware of his presence as we seek to to learn more about him. Throughout the Old Testament, we read about the Holy Spirit coming upon certain people at certain times for certain tasks. We find that he comes to equip them with power or with wisdom uh, or with skill. We see the Holy Spirit coming upon certain people at certain times for certain tasks. In the book of Judges, you can read through there and see different groups of people and receiving supernatural kind of anointing by the Holy Spirit. Gideon is in there. Um, Jephath, and most famously Samson, receives extraordinary strength by the Spirit of God resting upon him. And normally this was because the, the people of God needed to defend themselves against their enemies. They needed supernatural help. They were a desperate tribe and they needed to stand against the enemies of Israel. And so the Spirit came upon them. And the Spirit also comes upon them with the gift of prophecy, the ability to speak God's plan, God's purpose, God's truth into them. The prophet Micah said this, As for me, I am filled with power, with the Spirit of the Lord, the Ruach, with justice and with might. So Micah talking himself about how he feels that sense of God's Spirit resting upon him and speaking through him. Prophet Jeremiah said, But if I say I'll not mention his word or speak any more his name, his word is like fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I'm weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. And so for Jeremiah, this unction of the Holy Spirit's presence upon him to speak God's truth, even though often that would be against popular opinion, it would probably put him into trouble. He couldn't shut that inside. The the sense of the Holy Spirit activity on him was too great, like fire shut up in his bones. He had to speak it out. He couldn't contain it. And then the prophet Zechariah says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Again, speaking about how God will accomplish his purposes. So even though Israel is small and often powerless, the spirit of God will come upon them and accomplish all that God wants to do. And so you see the spirit coming upon people, Certain times, certain tasks, bringing these gifts of wisdom and power and prophecy and then departing from them again. The Spirit of God sort of lifting off them when the job was done. And throughout the Old Testament, we see no real sense of a permanence of the Holy Spirit being with people. We see no sort of permanent sense of the Holy Spirit residing with people like we see later on in the New Testament. However, various prophets begin to speak of a time when this would change. I begin to speak of a time when the Spirit would come differently. Most famously, we find the prophet Ezekiel. He says this. 
And speaking of these times, he says, I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. The prophet Joel similarly says this. I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days. So Ezekiel and Joel are speaking of a time in the future that will come when the spirit will be manifestly present on all people, will be poured out on all people. And that will not be certain people at certain times, but the ability for the spirit to come upon all people. And the spirit, most importantly, will move from being outside to inside. Outside to inside, rather than resting upon people, the spirit will be within people and that withinness will change and transform their hearts change and transform their motives their their direction their goals it will bring about a change of heart so spirit will move from the outside to the inside and this is the key thing we see in the ministry of jesus the uh, which we'll look at in the gospels next week when the spirit becomes this personal spirit that is available to all people So as we begin to look at the Holy Spirit today, what can we take away from this first section? Who is the Holy Spirit? Well, the first thing I think we need to understand is that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit isn't some add-on, isn't some impersonal force that we can kind of connect to in charismatic churches. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. Of God. The Trinity is a difficult concept to understand. One God in three persons. But that is what the scriptures reveal to us. And the Spirit of God is as much God as God the Father and Jesus the Son. The Spirit of God is the Holy Spirit. And charismatic Christians are prone to depersonalizing the Spirit of God, and that hasn't helped in terms of our relationship to him. We've often treated him like a a power or a force that can be be sort of um, invited in or sort of, or drummed up or we can turn on or we can turn off. And that is not the spirit of God that's revealed to us in the scriptures. And so the way we've related to him hasn't been the best way. I'm hoping over the next eight weeks we're going to change the way you and I relate to the Spirit, the, the, the level of trust we can have with the Spirit. We focused in the past rather on, on what he does rather than who he is. Particularly in charismatic church, we've looked for those manifestations, we look for those, those outward signs, we look for what the Holy Spirit might do rather than who the Holy Spirit actually is. And that hasn't helped us in terms of deepening our relationship with him. Just think for a moment in your life, if you're a follower of Jesus, how do you relate to the Holy Spirit? How how do you speak to the Holy Spirit? Do you find it comfortable doing that? Do you find it comfortable connecting or, or thinking about the Holy Spirit in your own personal walk? And that leads us to our next key point today. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a he, not an it. 
it doesn't help us that we put the word the in front, does it? Because <laughs> Holy Spirit is Holy Spirit. We don't talk about the Jesus or the God, you know, but we, just the way the English language works, we tend to talk about the Holy Spirit. But Holy Spirit is a person, not an it, not an impersonal force, not something we can conjure up or use for our own advantage. Holy Spirit is a person who seeks to build relationship with us. And the Holy Spirit wants to relate to us in the same way that God the Father and Jesus the Son wants to relate to us. In fact, we connect to God the Father through Jesus by the Spirit. It's always, the Holy Spirit's always in the mix, relating to us, communing with us. Just as we relate to God the Father and Jesus the Son, we're called to relate to Holy Spirit. And again, your experience might not have been that. Your experience might have been more Jesus-focused or more God-focused, but Holy Spirit is there. When Jesus went away, he said, I'll leave you the comforter, I'll leave you the, the paraclete, I'll leave you the one who will always be with you, who will come alongside you. And the third key point is the Holy Spirit brings life. Ezekiel, the prophet we were just referenced, he saw a vision, a valley of, of dry bones, a very famous um, vision. I think, in fact, Rag and Bowman has written a song about it. I was in, sort of, uh, written, I was in, a, in a shop the other day, and I could hear him singing, dry, dry bones, dry. I was thinking, he's basically written a song about Ezekiel. But anyway, 37. But anyway, God speaks to Ezekiel and says, you need to prophesy, speak over these dry bones. You need to prophesy to these dry bones that the breath of God will enter them and bring them back to life. Speak life to these bones. It was a, a vision, it was a, a metaphor, it was symbolic, prophetic that Ezekiel, uh, God was calling Ezekiel to do. And God says, I'll put breath in you and you will come to life. And then you'll know that I am the Lord. So God says to Ezekiel, prophesy to the breath, prophesy son of man and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them, they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. And in verse 14, he says, I'll put my spirit in you, and you will live. And so in this section of scripture, we have the three aspects of the word ruach. We have, we have the, the wind, the breath, and the spirit, all present in this prophetic, symbolic thing that Ezekiel does. Call the wind of the spirit. Breathe into these slain. They may live again. The spirit of God will go into them. The spirit brings life. That's what this symbolism is here. The spirit of God, when the spirit of God is present, the spirit brings life. If you want more life in your life, then I suggest you start by inviting the Holy Spirit. If you want more vitality more a deeper understanding of who God is, a deeper connection, a communion, it starts with the Holy Spirit. And come Holy Spirit or Spirit come is one of the oldest prayers the church has ever prayed. Come Holy Spirit, we invite you. Spirit come, we invite you. We invite the life-giving presence that you have into our lives, into our churches, into our communities. One of the oldest prayers we've been praying for centuries through the church. And we ask God to come 
Not so he'll start to make a shake, rattle or roll, or not so we'll start to disrupt things, but because we want the life of God in our lives, in our churches, in our communities. Where the spirit is, there's life. The life of God comes in. We're going to close out today with a a Come Holy Spirit prayer, an invocation written by Father Raniero, who we talked about earlier on. And it's a call for God to come and fill us again with new life. I just want to put it on the screen. We can have a quick look at it. It says, Come, O Holy Spirit, come power of God and tender sweetness of God. Come, you are both motion and rest. Renew our daring. Be our companion so that we will not feel lonely in this world, creating us intimacy with God. We do not say any longer, as the prophet said, come from the four winds, as though we did not know yet where you come from. We say, come Holy Spirit, from the pierced side of Christ on the cross, come on the breath blowing from the lips of the risen Jesus. And this prayer has some beautiful imagery and truths within it. The power of God and the tender sweetness of God, that, that character of the Holy Spirit, the, the ruach, the, the power and the intimacy. Come, you who are both motion and rest. We struggle, don't we, with that? We're great in motion. We're not so great in rest. We live in a culture that encourages us to be in motion all the time, but actually we're called to be people of motion and rest. That rhythm of motion and rest is part of how the Spirit of God has created us to be. And we need to rediscover some of that resting in God and resting in the Spirit if we're to be really vital and have well-being in our spiritual walk. Renew our daring. Don't you love that line? Don't you want to be daring? Don't you want to be somebody who's been led into new things by the Holy Spirit? That wineskin that's been stretched and encouraged into new things, breaking new ground in your own life, in the lives of the people around you, seeing new things come to pass, seeing the Holy Spirit creatively doing things. But we need spirits of daring to do that. We need to be people who are prepared to be on the leading edge of what's happening. Renew our daring. What a beautiful line. And be our companions so we won't be lonely in this world. One of the things, the main ministries of the Holy Spirit is to deal with the loneliness in the human condition. Because deep down, we all fear loneliness. We all fear loneliness. We fear being alone. We fear being in the universe on our own. And one of the primary ministries of the Holy Spirit is to come and be our companion. A companion who's not fickle, who doesn't leave us, who's not there one moment and gone the next. Not a companion who ghosts us or doesn't answer our calls or return our messages. The Holy Spirit is the promised companion for good that meets that deepest need in all of us that we don't want to be alone. We don't want to face life alone. We don't want to do life alone and so one of the deepest ministries of the Holy Spirit in your life and my life is to address the issue of loneliness is to come and be the companion the comforter and however anyone else is treating us friends the spirit is always with us the spirit promises to be always there with us and then he closed out this beautiful phrase around we don't 
We don't have to say come from the four winds anymore because we know where you come from. We know you come and the ministry of Jesus ushered in the freedom of the Spirit to all people. And Jesus breathed on his disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed upon them that intimate act of the breath of God going from him to them. Receive the Holy Spirit. And so this morning I'd like us to, to say each of these lines as a, as a prayer of invitation for more activity of the Holy Spirit in our own lives. So if you know, why don't you stand with me? And invite the band to come back up. We're going to think about each line as we say it. This prayer helps us to understand the character of the Spirit of God. The same Spirit we see in Jesus is the Spirit of God that wants to come and draw close to you today. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or to find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside.